It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBTB. Today we're going to discuss all the latest news about the Cowboys kicker situation. Right, Landon? <laughs> Jeez. Oh God! Yes, I, I, I mean, I guess we gotta cover it. Yeah, no, we so. don't have to cover it. We're we're not kicking. We're okay, not covering good. a backup kicker situation. Instead, let's talk a little bit about our war room podcast that we've uh, kind of split over the last three days. How did you think it went? What, what were some of your biggest takeaways from the podcast? Well, first of all, I mean, I just love doing it every year, and really, and really, the the best part about it is. Um, it's just getting to do it. It's just fun, and 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 you know, it's I mean, when you love the draft and and NFL football like we do, and 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 examining the prospects. It's it's just a it's just a fun exercise, you know, it, because it it really kind of it, more so than just sitting alone and watching and doing a fan speak, you know, draft over and over again. It, it kind of helps flesh out, you know, what uh, what's happening and uh, behind each pick, and 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 it helps you kind of even contour your arguments a little bit. And I think also, you know, it's funny because like, I think it's easy to look at the results of what we got and then, um, and and just kind of generally judge it on its face. And then to actually, uh, to actually listen to what, you know, the thought process was behind everything and, and the scenarios that were run through. And I, I think, I think if anything, you know, it shows you that, you know, when when you actually are sitting down and, and examining the specific scenarios as they're presented to you and you're you're going through all the different varying opinions and, uh, uh, you know, takes on on 
on how a particular player will fit, how far another particular player will go, what you know, uh, what we all think about whether the, a team behind us will take a certain player. You know, it's just all the which kind we were of good at. We, we were pretty good at nailing yeah. who is going to go after us. Yeah, and I, I think that I think that you know when you when you look at, uh, I, I think it's easy to kind of examine this. Uh, you know, in a kind of vacuum and, and, and ex- examine the draft situation and what people do on draft day kind of in that uh, clean room situation. Well, well, they had all the choices and that this is what they chose, you know, and, and, and instead of actually looking at how, well, this is how the draft fell to them. And this is what the thinking process was along the way, and you know, you know, this was, you know, what they were. Tr- this is what they they went into the NFL, uh, into the draft, you know, trying to do, and and all those conversations about, you know, trade up targets and all that's all those things that are. It kind of just helps you get into the mindset of all the different things that are in the minds of the NFL of the Cowboys decision makers when when they're making these picks on draft day. And we could talk about the results now that the, all three of the podcasts are out. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that decision that we had in the first round uh, at pick 19 in case uh, you happen to miss this episode uh, basically our decision came down to Harold Landry the defensive end from Boston College Will Hernandez the guard from uh, UTEP and James Daniels the center guard from Iowa um, and to be honest I'm kind of surprised that the group went with James Daniels because going into the draft um, I kind of thought that was like the you know the floor the 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 worst player that they were going to get at 19. And that ended up almost being the guy that we wanted all along. What did you think about that decision uh, to take Daniels over Hernandez? I, you know, I agree actually. And, and I think that if, you know, I, I was playing the, the McClay role, uh, but more of the, uh, of me, I mean, I really don't know. I, I played it more of a passive kind of communicator, uh, who's making sure more of the person who is making sure that Jerry had all the information he needed to make a, a decision as opposed to actually throwing in a ton of my opinion. Um, but I, I agree that I probably would think that Hernandez might be a, a, a little bit of a better pick there, uh, you know, but uh, listen, at the same time, I, I have a lot of respect for, for Jonah and, and his work and the, the case he made there was, was strong. Um, and I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, I think they're both going to be good players. It really comes down to uh, probably if you had your choice between the two, I, I honestly do wonder if it really, you know, the choice isn't the deciding factor. In the choice isn't really just what you uh, think is a better fit for your scheme. And, and I think that that's one thing that we're. You know, we have an idea, but we're not exactly privy to because of the changes changes with with uh, Paul Alexander. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we have we have an idea of what what he liked to do previously, but we don't know. You know, there there's there's a chance that 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 might have be altered. You know, with the Cowboys because of what the Cowboys are trying to do. You know, uh, because you know Paul has a different object might have a slightly different objective as an offensive line coach than he did. Uh, working with the offensive coaches in, in Cincinnati, so uh, you know all those things are, are again even more factors that that weigh in uh, when you're actually making this decision. Um, but I don't disagree. Yeah, I think that you know uh, if it was my choice, I probably would have gone uh, more the Hernandez route. Now, I, honestly, the thing that I think, uh, looking back, I, I kind of now wish 
just for the sake of seeing how it played out that I, I wish we had tried is, is taking Landry. Yeah. And absolutely. seeing if, and seeing if, you know, I, I think in that, in that case that we, we kind of, I think we took the safe route. I, I, so I guess my, 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 uh, if we were to do this again, I would say that next time I would, I would hope to try to take the more aggressive route of, okay, let's take Landry and then let's see what we can do to either hope that, that some of these guys fall to us or, uh, you know, try to move around and move up a little bit to see if we can go get a guy. Yeah, I think we'll have to do a couple more simulations before the draft gets here. and We should play out some of those scenarios. What does the draft look like or what, what falls to you at 50 if you do go defensive end in the first round? Um, I, I was just kind of surprised that it was... Uh, that it was Daniels over Landry because I think most people in that room, maybe outside of Jonah, all feel that Landry is a top ten pick and you know an elite pass rusher. So it was just it was just surprising to me. But what I loved about our draft is that we kept it re- real. Yeah, quick, go ahead. I was just gonna say uh, the one thing I will say that I think contributed to that, and, and I don't know if it was in the back of anyone else's mind, but I, you know. The fact that we weren't a hundred percent sure how the Cowboys themselves felt about Harold Landry mm. at the t- at the time, yeah. I think probably weighed in heavily. We weren't aware that that he was a uh, uh, thirty day visitor at the time, and now we are. You know, and that 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 actually came out, I think, the day after we recorded the podcast. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that honestly is something to keep in mind at the time is that. You know, we we weren't we weren't privy to that knowledge, and I, and and to me at least, I feel like, and I and I feel like I and I'm pretty sure I I remember speaking to Jonah after the podcast that that weighed in on. I think he even mentioned that that weighed heavily on his uh, choice to try to lead more guard is that because he didn't really necessarily feel like it was uh, realistic at the time uh, to uh, to to the cow to you know mock the Cowboys Harold Landry because of you know the, what our what our thought process was before then I think but you know you asked us before we found out about the visit we would have told you well uh, you know maybe they're interested but l- likely they would view Harold Landry similar to the, how they saw TJ Watt and uh and and meaning that he wouldn't really be Quali- uh, you know, they would, that would kind of disqualify sure. him to be drafted as a defensive end at that. Spot. And what I like, like I was going to say, what I liked about our draft is that we ended up narrowing our three guys that we are considering at nineteen to guys that we know the Cowboys have interest in. Uh, like you mentioned, Harold Landry is a thirty visit. Uh, James Daniels is a thirty visit, and that's been confirmed. And Will Hernandez is going to be a Dallas Day guy. So those are all three guys that the Cowboys uh, know. And also, I can even add on Will Hernandez. This is the guy that the Cowboys know really well. They've studied him a ton over the last couple of years. Uh, they are familiar with him because he also shares the same agent uh, as Tyron Smith as well as with Lyle Collins. Um, so I think we got it right. Now, the only, the only thing that I regret is that we did not talk about two Alabama guys that I think have a chance to be the pick there, and that's Calvin Ridley and uh, Rashawn Evans. Both of those guys have been frequently mentioned at 19, and neither of those two guys were even really an option for us. Is that kind of surprising to you? Uh, well, I mean, I think I think at this point now, and again, you know, I mean, just just in these last few days, how much how much has changed, right? I, I think uh, you know, at the time, I think. Ridley going 14 to Baltimore, which I think is what happened. Uh, if I remember, I, I may be wrong about I the number. I think he's 16. Uh, I think it's order. 16 to Baltimore. 16. 16. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, 
but the idea of generally Ridley going to Baltimore, I don't think is crazy at all. They need a wide, they needed a wide receiver. Uh, Ozzie Newsom obviously has its strong ties to Alabama. Um, you know that that seemed like a like a fit to, in, in a lot of ways. Um, but obviously they. Um, they just traded for a wide receiver. Just didn't they like the last day or so? They just they just got uh, well, a, a, another guy. So not RG three, but no, they've got Michael Tra- Crabtree that they brought in. They signed John or John Brown, so they've got some names that's, now. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. John, they, they signed John Brown, so I, I, I'm not saying that you know John Brown means that they're not, uh, uh, you know, uh, they're not going to go uh, Ridley. But I also think that it doesn't mean that they need to reach. For a wide receiver, if they feel like Ridley isn't, do you th- you know? Do you think that would have changed our scenario if Ridley was there? Do you think that would have been a guy that we would have considered? Because I don't. I, if at, at, yeah, because me acting as Scott Linehan, I would not have considered Calvin Ridley because of the depth of this receiver class. I think you can get a guy at eighty-one that can do a lot of the same things as Calvin Ridley. So for me, I would. I, I, I honestly don't think it would have changed our pick at all. I think yeah, I don't think it would have changed the pick, but I think he would have been part of. Uh, the conversation. I don't know that he would have been the final three because I feel like that was a situation where you know that was a. I think that was a very favorable draft. If if you want to talk about the way it fell to the Cowboys, like we had a lot of good options sure. there. Uh, so I, I think you know, for me, Calvin Ridley, I have no issue taking Calvin Ridley at nineteen. But but I, I think that you know that that's in a scenario where. You know he's he's the best player on my board. You know, or you know, because the the situation maybe didn't fall as nicely. So I, I, here we had options. So I, I, yeah, when you have options, I don't know that he is much of as much of an option there. But I think if you look at at least for us, you know, I, I think for us having a, a guy that a lot of us viewed as a as a top pass rusher, uh, well, def, as maybe the top pass rusher. I mean, if you want to talk about pure pass rusher in, in the in the draft. Uh, and then having uh, you know two guys who we think are not only walk in but uh, you know high you know potentially high level guards, uh, I, I think that you know that provided more than enough options to to not even consider really if he was there. All right, and any real quick takeaways on the second round? I know we explored potentially moving up in the second round, and I kind of wish we would have because I think there were some guys at the top of that second round. Uh, that were interesting, but um, refresh me. Who did we pick at fifty? I, I for some reason I it's blank. Is it Jesse Bates? Is that Jesse who we Jesse Bates? Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think uh, yeah, I, I think I, I think that that's the fifty was really the more illuminating of the two because honestly, the the feeling that of getting to fifty and realizing, well, this is really our only opportunity if we feel like we have to upgrade the free safety position to be able to upgrade. The uh, a true kind of you know rangy free safety who is going to be able to come in and plug in and start from day one. Now, I what this makes me wonder is how, how do they feel about like let's say Xavier Woods? Yes, I want to have this conversation. Do feel, Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, because because I I'm starting. To, here's here's what I'm starting to think. Another name that came up on the uh, on the. Uh, the Periscope stream with Brian Broaddus today was uh, Terrell Edmonds. Um, and he said that he's actually a, a, a 30 day visitor, a 30 visitor apparently. Um, and then another name that he mentioned after that was that he didn't say was a, a visitor, but he that he mentioned was uh, Kazir white. 
And and so, like, if you look at, you know, what all the kind of, and, you know, I don't think Derwin James is a, an official visitor, but obviously they're interested in Derwin James. And if you just look at the kind of guys that they are looking at, and, and even in free agency, right? Like, you know, the guys that, that they, you know, hear them that they could have be having interesting in, they're all... They're all box safeties, like you know, they're not looking to spend big money on someone that they view as a box safety, but they're looking to get a box safety as opposed to going out and looking for for a uh, free free safety. You know, I don't know that this means that they necessarily would turn down a good deal for Eric Tom, uh, Thomas if, um, uh, Earl, if they felt yeah. like Earl Thomas. Sorry, Earl Thomas. If they felt like uh, it, you know they could sign him and and get a. Uh, a, a deal. If 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 that situation fell right, I'm not saying that they would pass that up. But to me, at the same time, they don't seem to be, uh, uh, you know, really looking hard at free safeties as much as they seem to be looking at strong safeties. And to me, that reads like they feel like they have their free safety. Uh, and 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 if that's the case, or then free I safeties. have to imagine because I I actually think yeah, they might tag uh, yeah. team it a little bit because I think Heath Jeff Heath does some things really well. If you leave him just as a single high safety, I actually don't hate him there. I, I think he does a pretty good job no, there. No. Um and then the No, and I think I think he's definitely a great, you know, backup free safety for sure. And I think the idea is that if you want to upgrade there, I, that, the, that you'd like to upgrade there because I think that would make that situation Jeff Heath would be a fantastic third safety. Sure. But I I and I, I don't have a problem with him starting at free safety, but I I think that obviously you're hoping for an upgrade there. And I guess my point is is that Maybe what I'm, what we're starting to feel like, is that the upgrade there is Xavier Woods. Mm. Is that you know they fully invest on putting him back there and, and studying him there free time because, you know, really if you look at his athletic makeup, it's not all that dissimilar to an Earl Thomas or a Trey Boston or those guys, right? And 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 the kind of player that he has a reputation for being is sort of a, you know, a heady playmaker. Like that was kind of his whole thing during training camp is that he really had to kind of learn his spot before he really started flashing in training camp, if you remember. Yep. So I, I do I wonder if now the idea is that they give him they steady feed him free safety reps, knowing that they're gonna not they're not gonna need him in the nickel anymore. You know, at especially with, with all the, the glut at the position there now. Uh, or, or with guys that can play in the slot. Uh, so I think you know if the idea is that they give him steady work, you know, at, at free safety that they can have him ready for the regular season. And and I you know look I, I don't know I don't know what his ceiling could be there, but I I think he you know again he's the kind of player that I think you want back there the kind of you know not afraid to be physical uh, you know has a has a nose for the ball um, you know has never met a stage that is too big for him type guy you know. Yeah, see, I, I don't mind Xavier Woods at all. I, I want Xavier Woods on the field. I, I think it was the Kansas City game last year and it, it, where he had a fantastic game. I think it was on a third down pass. They threw like a, a little slant to Travis Kelsey. He just broke on the ball perfectly. Um, it was kind of at that moment I'm like, you don't want to take this guy off the field. He just makes plays over and over again. Uh, but I can see, I can really see them just kind of tag teaming that free safety spot with Heath and Woods. And if, you know, if Woods doesn't take a step this year, maybe they address it next year. I, I guess I don't feel like it's that big of a, uh, of a hole that they need to fill. I didn't think it was bad last year. Um, I don't expect it to get any worse. I think it should only get better. Uh, I think they have other, ba- ever, other needs on their roster. So to me, 
when I look at a guy like Jesse Bates, you know, picking him at 50, I just feel like we can spend a pick at a better spot. I feel like you can get a guy that can do a lot more if you're going to go on, you know, try to find a one technique or if you're going to try to find a receiver. Uh, I wasn't big on the Jesse Bates fan, but that's part of the simulation is there's got to be compromise there. You can't just be, um, you know, you can't just be wanting your guys. You, you know, you have other people's opinions in the room. Nobody's ever going to be completely happy. And when you're all completely happy, you know, it doesn't always mean that you're right. So, um, I, yeah, I think overall the the war room simulation was fun. Uh, I think we learned a lot. I, I think me and you are going to have to do a couple more of these before the draft starts. Um, but before we go, I have I have a guy that I want to talk about a little bit. Actually, we're going to talk about two guys. Um, at this time of the year, we try to go back and we try to watch some people that maybe we have missed. Um, it seems like, you know, by April, we've kind of been talking about the same guys over and over again at 19. James Daniels, Will Hernandez, Isaiah Wynn, Harold Landry. I want to talk about Notre Dame tackle Mike McGlinchey. Now, you and I both watched him uh, today, and I watched him yesterday. Can you fill us in a little bit on McGlinchey and what you saw from him? I mean, I I wasn't sure, you know, again, like you, you never really know, especially for people that like – like me, who kind of like come into this process late, especially this year, um, I think uh, really sure what you what you know what what you're going to get out of these guys. You you hear kind of rumbling and that sort of thing. And I, and I watched a little bit of Mike uh, at different points last year and the year before. I mean, just you know because Notre Dame football games are are easy to watch, are easy to find on TV. Um, and and yeah, and I feel like. I feel like you know Every what week. you get with Mike McGlinchey is a is kind of a, is almost like a throwback to old sort of right tackles, and I I, I feel like he's a he's a, a a road grader type right tackle who gives you better feet than you would uh, normally uh, expect from a guy like that. Now I don't think I think you know he's the number one tackle. And I think in the in the class, and I I don't know that that's necessarily consensus, but I feel like a, 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 a probably the majority of people have him as the number one tackle, and I think that I think that if you there's there's definitely a correct assumption that this is kind of a weak at the top tackle class, uh, and I and this guy is not a the kind of guy that you would draft in the top. 10 or 15 he's not a tyron smith like freak of nature athlete but he's a big guy who looks like a basketball player who can move who's put good strong weight on and he plays like you know downhill and he and he plays with a good lean and that sort of thing so i to me i like him enough that if the cowboys got him uh, he's the one guy who i was like okay you you draft this guy Put him at right tackle. Let's actually move Lale back to guard and let's go, man. Like, cause that that would really, 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 I think, solidify mm. a, a really good line because he's ready to come in. I think and play immediately. I mean, obviously, there's going to be a transition from left to right tackle, but he's played right tackle before. Um, and uh, you know, the guy had 39 starts at a high level in the NCAA. Um, you know, I, I think you know, this is one of those guys who now he has some uh, it. Well, I was gonna say he has some inconsistencies with his Four. pass sets. Go ahead. Um, you know he he has the requisite. He has enough athleticism to get the job done. He's got, like I said, pretty decent feet. But sometimes he hits weird landmarks when he's kick sliding out. Sometimes he'll get too far out and he'll leave leave himself susceptible to stuff on inside of him. 
Um, you know, I've heard people talk about issues with counter moves, and I think that's kind of a large part of it is his inability to uh, his kind of misjudging of of how far to kick slide and that sort of thing. Uh, and then I, I also read somewhere someone was talking about um, uh, how he keeps his hands low and and I uh, and pass protection and I see I saw a little bit of that as well. But as you and I have discussed before, Paul Alexander is actually a fan of that um, and 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 actually could work with that technique a lot. So that not, might not be necessarily negative. I think this is a guy who he reminds me of, of Mark Colombo coming out a little bit, uh, at least his college tape of Mark Colombo before he got hurt. Um, I think that he's the guy. He's the kind of guy who you could come out. He can plug him in a right tackle, and then maybe down the road, if Tyron has to, you know, go away, if he has to retire, or at the end of the, the day, he I, he's not a guy that I think that would just absolutely be murdered playing some left tackle for you while you uh, try to figure out maybe a, a more long term solution. So I, I really liked McGlinchey more than I thought I was going to. Um, and so, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I see. I kind of struggle with him. Um, I like him a lot, but see, I I don't see the the finishing part with him. And maybe that was me watching him um, this year at left tackle. I was just going to add, he has twenty five starts at left tackle, fourteen at right tackle. Um, he's six foot eight, three hundred and ten pounds, uh, eighty one inch wingspan. I kind of think his skill set is more suited to be a left tackle in the NFL because I see a really athletic guy. Um, his kick slide can be kind of all over the place at times. Um, and I tweeted out a couple of different videos of his hand placement's weird. Um, there's sometimes he doesn't even use his hands. He like almost tries to block with his elbows. It's it's weird. But um, I, I saw a guy that's very athletic. He reminded me a lot of Nate Solder. Uh, who actually just signed with the Giants, but was for the, with the Patriots a bunch of years. Really light feet. Um, you see him getting to the second level with ease. He did a really good job uh, getting to Roquan Smith in the Georgia game a couple different times. Um, I like him. I think this is a guy that should be a top 25 pick. Um, and then, you know, the conversation for me kind of comes back to, you know, if you like McGlinchey as a top 25 player and you like, let's say, James Daniels and uh, Will Hernandez, what makes your best offensive line? Is it you know, Lyle at guard and McGlinchey at right tackle, or is it Collins at right tackle and Hernandez at or Hernandez or Daniels at left guard? Uh, I'm not sure I have the answer. Um, I, I almost think the best way to do it is to draft the tackle, move Collins back to guard, um, and see what happens that way because then you get a guy that can, you know, move over to left tackle if something happens with Tyron. Um, I don't know. I, I'm interested in McGlinchey. I know the Cowboys have interest. I won't be surprised if uh, if if they bring him in on a 30 visit. It's just going to be have to be something that we kind of keep our eyes out for. But um, let me ask you this: what, what do you think is the best combination, McGlinchey at right tackle and Collins at left guard, or I one think, of those two you know, guards and all, Collins you, at right you can't tackle? Ignore the long term um, benefits of drafting a tackle as opposed to a guard there. You know, because I, I think that obviously you don't really know what's going on with Tyron sure. Smith. I mean, I, I don't I'm not as down on it as, as most people. I think that it's just going to be something that he's going to have to deal with. And, and once he learns to deal with it better, he'll be better or you know, he'll feel better about it. But I also know that, like, you know, that he won't be able to play forever. And uh, and eventually, you know, it's 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 you, you need to figure out what's what's next now. You could always draft somebody then, of course, but if you have 
more than one guy who is an efficient tackle on your team, that's not the worst thing. I, I know that people are really against the like play your best five rule. Um, and and I you know what I mean if you're talking about play your best five and and you know Fleming is your right tackle I I'm I'm on board with not liking that like I don't know that necessarily I think Fleming's a guy that we could start at right tackle and and be okay um, and and it would be fine but I don't want to be fine like I want to I need the offensive line to be really good you know I I need that so if I think yes. that there's some long term benefits. Uh, added to what seems to be, I think, in my opinion, a pretty even field of whether you know we would be better with uh, McGlinty as tackle and and LC as a left guard or Hernandez at left guard and uh, uh, Collins at right tackle. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I to me, I think those equations are probably all very similar and i think the the thing that might be the deciding factor there is you know you're getting a uh uh a tackle as opposed to a guard and i think the one thing that we that we can't ignore as well is he would be playing next to zach martin who basically was the guy that he sat under to tutelage during his redshirt season at notre dame so the guy the, the fact that you have the guy who shepherds you into your mm-hmm. college career sure. shepherding you into your nfl career I think that can't be overstated how helpful and how uh, how much of a bonus that is to uh, adding that guy into a player. You know, with chemistry is a huge part with this uh, with these guys, and I feel like Hernandez might have a similar benefit because he seems to hang out with those guys a lot. But I just think that if we're going to mention Hernandez going to see movies with Tyron Smith, we should mention that Zach Martin and McGlinchey obviously already have a relationship <laughs> from Notre Dame days. And it makes me Pros. feel better, too, that Pros. Notre Dame has pumped out NFL-quality offensive linemen for the last few years. I mean, Zach Martin, Ronnie Stanley, uh, Nick Martin, yeah. Quentin Nelson, who's going to be a top-six pick this year. Um, it it and, just and, makes and, you and feel this good that started, at the very I mean, worst, you're going to get so an many average games, starter. You know, so, when there's um, been a lot of other talent at Notre Dame, so it wasn't a case where he's just another guy who benefited from the talent. Like He was, he was a main part of that unit as a captain on the team, you know? He yeah. he's played fifty one games. That's a for lot of football. Yeah, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of football. Um, and one last guy I want to talk about while we have a couple more minutes is uh, a guy that we know the Cowboys have interested in. And that's Connor Williams. Uh, the Cowboys went to uh, Williams's pro day, worked him out. Um, what did you think of Connor Williams? I know you haven't studied him really in depthly, but where would he fit on this offensive line? Because he kind of has less than ideal arm length. Uh, he's under 300 pounds. Is that a guy that you think can play guard in the that, NFL? Or I mean, do you think his best I think spot that is he can do both. I mean, I, 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 you know, to me, honestly, when I look at him, uh, somebody pointed it out. I mean, he looks like Lael Collins in a lot of ways. I, I, I think, you know, I, I mean, like, not obviously, not. You yeah, know, he really does uh, in many ways. But, but you know, in, in as far as a player and physically, phys, yeah, in certain ways, physically, you know, physically. He, he looks like Lael <laughs> Collins. I think you know he moves similarly, and I think, uh, I, I think that Lael might be a little bit more brute strengthish um but but I think that I think that his game is not necessarily built completely off of that um I don't know I, like look I you know I, I feel like 
this is a very tough argument for us to make with I, I, to, to kind of finish the conversation with Colt Williams. I, I think that he, I like him. If you, you bring him in, I think it, hopefully you have a plan for whether he's playing guard or tackle. I think he can play both. I don't know that I'd like him playing left tackle for me. So obviously it's a similar situation where he'd either play right tackle or, or, or guard. I kind of feel like if that was the case, that more likely I would probably put him at guard because I would keep – I don't know that he's any better at Leo Collins at, at right tackle, so I would just, for the sake of, you know, yeah, being safe, not moving to, not again moving two guys, uh, I would keep probably keep Leo Collins at right tackle uh, in that position. I think McGlinchey is maybe the only person available on the free agent market or in the draft that I would prefer to get and then move Leo Collins back to guard. I, I agree. I mean, it's but and it's not that's that quite he, a statement. again. That's, he's that's not a, a life changing tackle, but he is the best tackle available. And and any anyone after him, I just don't feel like is, you know, potentially going to be an upgrade to the situation uh, when you factor in all that you have to do. And my guess on these two tackles is McGlinchey would be a guy that the Cowboys might consider at 19. I think Williams is a guy that if the Dallas were to trade down to the bottom of the first round, or if he slips to you know 35 or 36, um, they would be interested in moving up for. I, I don't believe Connor Williams would be in the discussion for 19. I, I, I just don't think with his lack of length and his knee injury, I, I just don't think there, he'll be a guy that... Um, carries a top 20 grade for them. But uh, keep a lookout for those two guys. Just kind of see um, if the Cowboys are interested. We know that the Cowboys have interest in Connor Williams. I'll Williams, be interested to Williams see went four what happens with Mike McGlinchey. Um, re- in, our, in our mock draft. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Browns. Thank you. Fan speak, is, fan speak can account oh, for man. the Browns' terrible drafting. They just, they know. Um, one real quick note before we go. Um, and we, we don't have to get into this guy, but I just want to mention it. Uh, Arden Key, was a, I think it was Brian Broaddus today that mentioned that Arden Key is going to be a, a 30 visit for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Arden Key had his pro day on Wednesday. He ran a 4.85, 4.87 at 237 pounds, a defensive end from LSU who has a ton of off-the-field issues. But when he played, uh, there were some really bright moments for him. So just keep an eye on uh, Arden Key. Thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast this week. We appreciate all the support that we got for the War Room simulation. Um, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already done that or wherever you guys get your podcast. Follow Landon at McCoolBTB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And, of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? 
Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.